Hi everybody, welcome back to Beyond Conversations, a podcast with Ian and Deborah Matchett, where we share stories and examples of ways that God has taught us to live beyond our circumstances. And every now and again, we'll have very special guests with us. This week we don't. This is going to be a week week where we share some more of our story uh, and delve into some of some of the things that, that kind of sparked the thought for the podcast. Uh, but yeah, so Deborah, how have you been? Yeah, I'm enjoying the kids being back in school. They've just got two weeks and a day left before they break up for summer. So um, we're enjoying these these last few weeks of, of being in school, finally. Yeah, it's going to be a strange one this year. Deborah's going to find out what it feels like, or we were going to find out what it feels like, to be essentially what every Northern Irish parent knows of a two-month summer holiday, where normally the kids are off for six weeks over here in Scotland during the summer holidays but uh, back home in Northern Ireland we get a full two months every year so yeah yeah we get an extra week this year um because they yeah we went back a week early last year so they have to tag on an extra one but obviously in the in the light of current situation when they haven't been in school very much it just feels like it's a long time but that'll be good fun yeah we are still in the middle of the pandemic and slowly slowly Scotland is easing out of all the restrictions and and they credit a lot of these advances to the, the effective rollout of the vaccine, something that Deborah and I had the privilege of partaking in just this last week. Yes, we did, uh, last Thursday. We went into the civic centre near in a nearby town to get uh, stuck with a ne- needle. It was quite a funny experience. Deborah l- laughs because uh, I sit down to, to get my injection and the guy quite clearly is from the homeland, from Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had a good bit of banter back and forth. He was from uh, Lisburn. He's training to be a dentist over here. Don't know what he's sticking me with needles for when he's a dentist, but I hope Deborah thinks I'm a magnet for these. Yeah, for, the, for the accent. There was probably only one Northern Irish person in the room, and you had to get them. Yeah, he's a nice fella. But no, and it was funny because we obviously there's a lot of debate over the vaccines and all this kind of stuff, and yeah, uh, we. Uh, you know, we didn't agonise over a decision of whether we should or not. It's quite clear we were just going to go for it. <clears throat> but we, we were anticipating some form of reaction afterwards mm-hmm. and uh, kind of bookmarking the Friday to be a wee bit more chilled uh, because then we had some visitors up over over the weekend and for this week. So we're hoping to be re- well rested and well recovered. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> yeah. However, both of us had a reasonably strong reaction. So how was that for yeah. you? <laughs> well, it's funny because you read the little ham- handbook that they give you and it says headaches, chills, nausea, you know, and a few other things. And we just ticked all the boxes. <laughs> I think in my naivety as well, I didn't anticipate it being so bad. So Thursday night, um, the kids are coming home from school and Aiden runs over. Mum, mum, can I have a friend over to play? Yeah, no problem. That's fine. It's all good. So they come over and they're playing for a little while. Mum, mum, can we have a sleepover? And I'm thinking, oh, well, do you know they're off school tomorrow? I'm sure we can make that work. Still felt okay. Um, so I'm like, yeah, that's fine. So we made it plans or whatever. And of course, as the day wore on, we were feeling less and less good. Correct. <laughs> To the point where, you know, you go to bed and you have chills and things. I and mean, it was at half past three in the middle of the night when I had to go through to the boys to tell them to put the bedroom light off and to stop playing and go back to sleep. That's when it really hit me. <laughs> this yes. was a terrible idea. Indeed, the joys of, 
of uh, wee fellas and their Lego. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, as Deborah said, pretty much every reaction you, we could have had, we had. And it was an absolutely terrible day and a half of just feeling really bad. And of course, life goes on. The kids all have their own stuff. So Zoe was up for a swimming session on Saturday morning. And uh, there's a leaving the house at seven o'clock, no, six o'clock on the yeah. Saturday. Saturday morning and uh, Friday night and I'm thinking this is not going to go well <laughs> but thankfully woke up on Saturday morning and all magically felt alright so yeah. once it left it, didn't, it wasn't a gradual roll off it was once, yeah. it, once it was done it was done so and hopefully another step forward to our whole society being more open so yeah so yeah but we're not here to talk about COVID and vaccines today uh, we'd like to take Take you way back, way back to uh, 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. where we made a move to the northeast of Scotland, to Aberdeen. And there's a few stories, a few things that as we were kind of preparing and praying through this episode, just wanted to share some things that God taught us, primarily in regards to the area of giving up rights and what that has looked like for us but also just to give you guys a bit more of a a glimpse into our story and and the experiences we've had that have shaped how we live life today so yeah Deborah why don't you kick us off and and start from the start start from the start well the very start goes back actually to 2004 when I was first invited to move to Aberdeen and to start a team there and took several months to pray over and and seek God uh, and then said yes. I mean, at that stage, it was just me, myself and I. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't actually come for DTS yet, had I? No, you were later that year, you came along. um, And it wasn't until the next year that we then started dating and um, talking about Aberdeen and looking forward for that and then you know as we then decided to get married we, we were both then heading in that direction and so it was it was a long process lots of different uh, trips up to Aberdeen lots of teams going up um, and praying up and down and then eventually we made the move just after we were married I think it was Jan- 1st of January 2007 it would have been mm-hmm. and so we basically moved up there with with a view to go and to serve and to be part of what God was doing there um, and then to to kind of go from there really and we moved up with the, the idea that there was going to be two other ladies joining us later on that year which unfortunately didn't didn't work out that way they um God kind of was doing some different things with them and they were going to take a little bit longer to come and join us than they initially thought. And so we were up there for a while, just the two of us um, on our own, <laughs> quickly got involved in in, def- in different church things and, and various other ministry opportunities. But yeah, it was just the two of us. And then later that year, Zoe joined us also. So it was it was a big year for us. We, we got married in the November, moved in the January. And then had Zoe in the September. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's a lot going on for us. And we obviously hosted outreach teams and, and got involved in drop-in ministries and prayer ministries and stuff all, all over the city um, during that time. But but yeah, it was definitely a, a bit of a roller coaster first year or two up there. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, even just going back to the timeline-wise, uh, God had given me a real kind of clarity on long-term. Like when I decided to come back on staff, for uh, with YWAM in, in Scotland. Uh, part of that journey was it got to give me a clear heart for cities in Scotland. And so whenever Deborah and I were getting together, I remember one t- 
time we were in Waterstones in, in Air and enjoying a, co- uh, a coffee at the back of the, the shop and just had that chat, had the, the serious chat of, is this, where is this going? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part of it for me was I didn't want to compromise on, on what God had called me to. I didn't want a relationship to be the reason why I didn't follow through on what God had called me to. Because I've seen that again and again with folks who they've got a really strong passion for something and and then all of a sudden a guy or a girl comes along and, and they're, their drive for that ministry is gone because because of the the the, the change in relationship. So uh, it was great that Deborah had the already said yes to the city in Scotland that mm-hmm. is Aberdeen, and so it was a great one that was easy easy lining up of our callings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we were up there for three and a half years, hosted various teams, and uh, we lived in three different locations during our three and a half years. There had two children. And we're eventually joined by one young lady on um, as a team member, although obviously had various links with, with YWAM, particularly across Scotland and and from te- um, Texas, we had a few teams as well. So lots of, of great stuff uh, happened during our time there. But we're, we're talking about a couple of different particular stories that we wanted to highlight in terms of the, the giving up of our rights, particularly. Do you want to kick off with the first one, Ian? Yeah, well, yeah, the reason why we feel it's important to chat about this is, you know, there's so many different uh, reactions you can have to, to whenever, either pre-prepared, like, you know, something's coming up or or scenarios that happen to you that are unexpected. And we've all been through an unexpected season of having our rights impinged upon in various mm-hmm. ways. And so hopefully you hear an encouragement through this of, of various ways to approach giving up rights that can hopefully lead us to living well. Lauren Cunningham has a book, if you want to explore giving up rights more in depth, that it does come with a health warning reading this book because you will be challenged to give up your rights <laughs> at a new level. It was called Making Jesus Lord you know, by Giving Up Your Rights. And it used to the original title for the book was Winning God's Way because it is that sense of this is where our true life or success in life can really come for from as a Christian when we give up our rights to God because he's the one who's faithful and most faithful with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll need to remind me which particular story you wanted to kick off with. <laughs> uh, I think you were going to talk about when we moved house. Sure. So like Deborah said, three different locations. We had the blessing through the city mission, as it was then, getting connected with the Bridgedon Baptist Church in Aberdeen, which was uh, one of the, the ladies who used to work with Glasgow City Mission was a member of. And so we were looking for a house and um, we stayed in their manse for a while, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then the hope was that they, or the thought was that they were going to take quite a while to get a new minister, but that didn't pan out that way and they got a new minister a lot quicker than they anticipated which was great for them we were very happy for them but also meant we were going to be homeless (laughs) (laughs) and so they said okay here's uh here's the deal we need you to move out soon but we do have another house that's going to be available soon and it wasn't their house it was a a house that was owned by a guy who was working with interserve 
And this was part of his support structure to be able to, to fund him for being over there. So loved that idea. Hmm. But also the difference was that they were subsidizing our rent in the manse, which was very generous of them. Mm-hmm. And so the new property that they had for us was still, you know, it was reasonably good market value wise, but it was a, a half again more a month than we were paying. Hmm. And so our, our finances... As, as most Wyomers know, it's living by faith is, well, I should say, is maybe a topic for another day. Uh, we, every Christian should live by faith, whether you've got a salary job or not. <laughs> um, but whenever you don't have a salary to depend on, or you don't have that budgety, budget budget planning uh, ability, because you, your, your finances are all over the place, during, throughout the month, they were quite tight. And so to be asked, do you want to take this house whenever we didn't have the financial means to do it? Hmm. But yet, you know, it was, a, it was a nice three bedroom house. And as Deborah said, we had both the girls up in Aberdeen. So we knew, <clears throat> me, Hannah was on the way when we were making these decisions. No, she wasn't. Not quite. <laughs> so we, we knew that we were, we were planning more, more kids at some point. And so... Yeah, it was just a really tough decision to make and the, the stress of having your finances so tight anyway alongside of being a young married couple. Remember the days when we were a young married couple? Um, <laughs> Dim and distant. No, Deborah's still young. I'm approaching old age now. <laughs> the, 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 the stress levels were high is what I'm trying to say. And so we got to this point where, you know, we were driving down the road to see Deborah's parents in Livingstone and... The crunch point had come. The church had given us a deadline. And so we needed to make our decision. And we're talking it over. All the ins and outs, the pluses and minuses, you know, exploring the ideas of living other other places. Uh, and we just simply got to that point where Deborah said, I just can't make this decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just too much of a stress, too many unknowns. She just felt like it was too much. And so I remember driving the car and I said, okay, God, just going to ask you a simple question. Should we take the house? Uh, and before I even had finished the sentence, in my head I heard the phrase, overwhelmingly yes. And so before I could think about it, <laughs> I said it out loud to Deborah. <laughs> before my rationale could kick mm-hmm. in, I said it out loud to Deborah. And her immediate response was, okay, then let's do it. And I just really loved that because... Like I said, she, we were both in a place of high stress in it all. And Deborah more so really because of the the mothering and the factor, the motherhood factor. Um, and just feeling like, you know, because as a guy, I could live pretty much anywhere and be happy. But there's a, a lot higher standard for her than there is for me. And so she moved very quickly from that place of stress and anxiety, but then gave up her rights to being in control of it all. And then immediately responded with faith. And the long and the short of the story is that by the time we moved in, our finances were, were did not move until the month that we moved in. And then when we did move in, they jumped to cover the, the shortfall. Yeah. Uh, and that we've seen that again and again when we've decided to move or we felt mm. God is asking us to move. Our, finance, our income has changed in proportion to what the costs were going to be pretty much every time. Yeah. You know, it's just incredible what, what God can mm-hmm. do when, when you do give up yeah. your rights. So yeah, that, that was the, the story. Yep. 
It's interesting because I think there's so many different things in life push us to, to give up our rights, don't they? We were talking about this earlier. I think, you know, when you get married, you're faced with different things about how, you know, selfish you are or how you like things a certain way and it pushes a few buttons and that. And then, you know, you work a bit of that through and then you, and then you have a child and all of a sudden, it, it you know, um, you have to give up your rights to a whole new level. And we're talking, you know, you can't, choose which rights to give up when you have a child can you can't think well you know you can have my time during you know wake wakeful hours but at night you know I really need my sleep it just doesn't work that way and even today I was out walking our dog and I thought you know I I have to give up my rights to only walk a dog when I feel like it or you know when it's good weather you know if it's howling wind and rain he still wants out he's not one of these little dogs who'll stand at the door and turn around and come back in again <laughs> he wants out all weather and and you know and it's just it's one of those things it's a constant challenge in in so many areas but but obviously just sharing a few to highlight specific stories yeah because if you do if you don't if you try to hold on to those rights mm-hmm. uh or you try to fight for the, for the rights yeah. like, say for example with the sleep one not only with the screaming kids they're not going to be able to rationally mm-hmm. argue back no mother father i do really need your attention right now <laughs> <laughs> you know you just it could be so easy for bitterness to set in and I think that's one of the, the key lessons that I've learned through some of these things is that the sooner you can acknowledge, I'm trying to hold on to your right here, mm-hmm. that's why I'm getting angry, that's yeah. why I'm getting frustrated. The sooner you can acknowledge that and, and relinquish it, give it over, it's amazing the peace that comes and, mm-hmm. and the capacity to endure yeah. or capacity to almost joyfully give up your rights at times. So what was this another example of a story that um, from our Aberdeen days that... Hmm. Yeah that you you wanted to highlight? So the the other story that we were thinking about was whenever we were about three years or so into our time in Aberdeen, like I said, we'd had a lot of change. We'd been, you know, got married and moved and had two children in a very short period of time. And then we didn't have as big of a team and support as we had anticipated. And so we were feeling that we, we needed just a little bit of time out from the city just to get re- refreshed and recharge ourselves a little bit. And so we were looking at taking six months out to be around a bigger community. And then the idea was that we would come back and we would, you know, we'd be stronger, we'd have more to give uh, and we could maybe look at, at recruiting other team members during that season as well and trying to build build team. Because uh, we were really loving being in the city. God was oh, doing yeah. some really great things. And, you know, we were really, we had really settled and made it home. Um, and so um, during this process, we pushed on a few doors. We were, we were really hoping that God would send us to Kona, Hawaii for six yeah. months. <laughs> But that didn't happen. <laughs> he did, however, send us to somewhere with a beach. He sent us back to West Kilbride. <laughs> we uh, we were just praying through options and, and stuff and, uh, and coincidentally realised that there was a dis- discipleship training school coming up back in West Kilbride. And as soon as we heard that, something just came alive in us and we thought we need to be part of that. And so we, we phoned the, the then base leader and just said, look, we really feel like there's something about this this school for us. And he said he'd just come out of a meeting where they talked about if they didn't get school leaders, they were going to have to cancel the school. Mm-hmm. And and so it just really felt like there was a meshing together of of God's purposes in that moment. Yeah. It probably does give you a good insight into our personalities that in a place of exhaustion and uh, intensity, we chose, we voluntarily uh, pushed on the doors to lead a DTS together. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which is, you know, usually quite an intense experience. <laughs> but there was just something that, that really came alive for us and, and God was really in that. And so we, we started to plan for that with a view to, we were probably going to be out of the city for between six and nine months as it turned out. And as we were, were packing and planning and looking, you know, for somewhere to, to live while we were down here, I, th- I can't remember which one of us was was praying one day about, you know, when we were coming back to Aberdeen and God just clear as a bell said, well, I haven't told you you're coming back. Mm-hmm. And that just really took us both by surprise because yeah. that had been the plan the whole time was the, to go away, be refreshed and be recharged. And he was saying, well, I haven't told you you're coming back. And at the same time, I think I had a real sense that as YWAM Scotland, as a, as a, an organisation, that God was drawing us in to, to strengthen so that we could be sent out stronger. Yeah, the, the word you had at that time was consolidating. Consolidating, yeah. And so there was it was a really interesting season. And so we went from, yeah, we're leaving for six months, we'll be back, you know, to say, having to say to people, look, God hasn't told us if we're coming back. And that, that was, again, something we had to really lay down. Yeah. We had to make that choice to give up that right to come back. And there was a lot of other things attached to that, I think, in the process. We had to give up the home that we had made there with the girls. We had to give up the friendships that we'd had. And we had to give up our reputation. I think that was a really big one for me mm. because... You know, I think a lot of people who journeyed with us and knew our process really were with us and understood and got it. But there was people who were a little more distant, who had just maybe seen us and hadn't really engaged with us too much, who who then made assumptions because then they thought, well, you know, they're just packing up and going home and, you know, it got too hard. They've just given up. And that wasn't the case at all. And I think for us to really be able to say, look, you know, they, they don't understand, they can't understand. And if they want to think poorly of me then then they need to think poorly of me because you know I've walked what well, we both have um, as faithfully as we know how to do and mm. we've taken counsel as much as we know how to do it you know yeah. and so giving up our right to our reputation and to, for that being understood was really a big one because we had really you know we'd worked hard pre- preparing to go to Aberdeen for those years and then obviously giving mm-hmm. the three and a half years there uh, and spoiler alert when we got back to West Kilbride we did lead the school and God made it clear that we weren't to make a decision about our future until after the school. And then he did, in fact, ask us to stay here and take on different roles in the community here. So so that was a really big one, really mm. big one for us having to give that up. And obviously the stories we've shared, have, we've been talking about things where we've had choices, you know, where we've made choices to move or to get married or have kids. And those have, have been choices that we've made that have then meant, okay, you give up this, you give up that. And it's been a willing thing. But I also want to recognise that there's people who have to give up rights who haven't made those choices. And looking at, at, you know, the COVID scenario for the last year or 18 months, we haven't chosen that yet. We've been required to give up rights. You know, I think it makes me think of my, my nephew who, my nine-year-old nephew who at the end of January this year was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and he didn't choose that but yet he now him and his family have to give up their rights all every day every time he wants to eat he has to give up his right to just being able to put food in his mouth because it has to be weighed and measured and you know and worked out insulin wise and it's and it's horrendously complicated procedure that he has to go through every meal time and that is a right that he, you know, mm-hmm. without God's intervention, he's going to have to to give up that right every day for mm-hmm. the rest of his life. And and I think a lot of us have felt that relentlessness, haven't we, this yeah. last year or so? 
where we've had to to give up our rights without me having make those choices and and that, you know it has it's had its ups and downs but I don't know if there's anything you want to say about that Ian oh, I will say we've got a future episode coming up with mm. Neil and Julia yeah Deborah's brother and sister-in-law where we explore some of this stuff and we'll, we'll yeah. maybe focus on uh, Neil's fitness journey yeah. but it is linked yeah. to to Jonah's condition as well yeah yeah no it's it's true I think as Christians, we should be the ones who are most practiced mm. at giving up our rights and loving our brothers, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters around us. And it's the the pandemic has definitely given us ample opportunity to do both. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking about some of the stuff, the the rights that we gave up in terms of being able to see people as much as uh, and and we wanted to and that kind of thing led us to asks the question, ask God the question, well, if we can't do this normal life stuff, what can we do? Mm. You know, and I think there's that great reality of any of the circumstances, any any of the things that God asks you to give up or you have to give up because of life, the, the curveballs life throws at you. Mm. There's always a, an element of, okay, God, here's the scenario. What can we do? Mm. What what? Where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? What's yeah. what's your way in the midst of this? And it's a good habit to get into, just asking that kind of question, because you might be surprised what God mm-hmm. ends up doing. There's a classic YOM story of the guy who was in an airport reading his Bible. And, mm-hmm. you know, Deborah's touching on, on giving up your right to your reputation. Well, God asked this guy to give up his reputation. He, he said he was reading his Bible and he heard this, voice in his head saying, I want you to get up, go over to that wall and do a handstand. Mm-hmm. And he's like looking around him and, he, and all the people in the airport, this is back in the days of travel, and uh, he tries to rebuke the devil. <laughs> he says, stop interfering with my Bible reading. <laughs> uh, so he gets back to his Bible and, and he hears the voice again. No, no, I want you to get over to that wall, stand on your head. And so he's like, okay, fine. Closes his Bible. He goes over to the wall and he does a handstand. Mm. And immediately somebody comes up to him and says, what are you doing? I'm doing a handstand. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) And that's such a key, heart-exposing question in that moment. Because why why would you say (laughs) you were doing a handstand? Mm. Because a voice in your head told you to? Because you just felt like doing it, whatever else. But this guy was honest. He says, I felt like God told me to. And the guy said to him, says, I told God this morning, if you're real, get somebody to stand on their head for me. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that just incredible? Yeah. And it's amazing what can happen if we are in that attitude of living with our our rights laid down. Mm. The the pain, the the, the bitterness, the frustrations, they they will all diminish. And hopefully the testimonies of God's goodness will continue Mm. to increase as well. Yeah. We've shared a couple. The, The end result of us leaving Aberdeen and coming back down to West Kilbride, uh, there's been a lot of great stuff that's happened. Mm. And yes, there's still things that that I have, maybe regret's not quite the right word, but there was aspirations we had for yeah, the city and our yeah. time there. We kind of roughly thought of at least 10 years in the city mm. and, and three and a half is, is a lot less than that. Yeah. Feels unfinished, but yet, you know, we continue to trust um, the the what we were able to do ha, uh, still made some sort of impact on the city. Mm. You know, we hear stories of church explosions. Yeah, 
of church growth explosions, I should say. Yeah, clarify. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify, we hear, you know, we yeah. still keep in touch with a number of folks and see from a distance mm-hmm. what God's doing in and through the city, and it's wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, uh, you know, we, we there's some level of, of the fruitfulness that we'll not be able to really truly see until we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. You were reminding me, I'd totally forgotten about the, the, the small group that we ran for young adults in our, yeah, in our flat, absolutely. in our house at one point. Yeah, we did. I can share a little bit about that too. That was another um, smaller example of giving up our rights, I think. We, after the, the house move that Ian talked about, we, we then had Hannah, I think the next summer. Um, and around that time, we were asked by the church we were going to, to run um, a small group for the young adults. Uh, and we felt like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. It kind of all coincided with Hannah being quite a newborn and then Zoe was just about to turn two, I think. And we said, yeah, sure, let, you know, we'll do it. Knowing that it was going to be a bit of a stretch with, with having such a newborn baby, but we felt like, you know, um, it was a, a really good thing to do. And it turned out to be really great. We loved it. There was a great, great group of kids, that, oh, kids, young people. <laughs> no, they all feel like kids now that we're getting so old. Eh? <laughs> yep. um, but it was, it was, it was a really rich time, but it was definitely one of those that pushed us to the limit. And I was just reflecting on the fact that, that even though God knew that it was going to be a stretch for us, he provided in the midst of that. There was one girl who at that time had just moved up from West Gobyte actually to, to Aberdeen to study uh, and she became part of the group and she came over every week to help us to get ready. She'd wash my dishes, she would clean the floor, she would help with the girls and just, you know, make the place ready and it just took a huge amount of the pressure off of me to then have to juggle that if I was having a rough day with the girls or, you know, if I just wasn't quite ready she was there just to take that pressure off and I think although we we gave up our rights to have you know a nice quiet evening at home or not so quiet depending but but as we said no we're willing God provided the lack that we had so it was really and it turned out to be a really special time so yeah good memories of those guys it was uh, hmm. well worth it in the end some yeah. some fantastic young adults part, hmm. that were part of the church at the time and you are still see them from a distance obviously and yeah. see the most if not all are walking with Jesus still and mm-hmm. it's always just great to see I do mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the the game night that we played with forfeits and dares yeah <laughs> we played a game of spoons ultimate spoons yeah where you had to have a forfeit for those of you who haven't played spoons before there's one less spoon in the center yeah than everybody else has and once you got a certain hand of cards that gets passed around mm-hmm. you have to grab a spoon and uh the last one. The last one has gets, a, then has a forfeit, yep. and there were some interesting forfeits. The culmination of one was that I ended up having to suck one of these guys' toes. It was really pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's all coming back to me. I think I blocked that out. <laughs> we we, spe- we we share a special connection ever since. <laughs> Um, so yeah, hopefully you're not too scarred from this episode and uh, there's some encouragements in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm just, you know, thinking there's so many different ways to approach something like that the last year's happened. And I think having our vaccination last week has really made us reflect again. And obviously as we start to come out of, of lockdown, 
levels, then, you know, you just really start to think, well, what, what have we done? How have we engaged in the last year? How have we given up our rights? How have we looked for the opportunities instead of just focused on, well, this is what I can't do. And maybe we can share some more of our stories of, of how we've done that over this last year uh, in another episode. But just, yeah, I just think it's, you know, it can be such a rich time even in the midst of the challenge. And it doesn't mean there aren't times where it still does feel overwhelming and too much. But many times, you know, you see richness in new ways and you see opportunities that you you never would have looked for before. Absolutely. And and I've mentioned Lauren Cunningham a couple of times and I'll put a link in the description for the podcast on on giving up rights, the uh, the teaching time that he, he gave. But actually, as you were sharing, I was just thinking about another one, um, which is from Winky Pratney. And uh, it's just another example of what it looks like when you give up your rights to have things your way and the blessings that can come from it, which was he um, he was telling the story about a, a girl who every time he was speaking at a conference or whatever, she would come up to him and she was a bit of a groupie and uh then I don't know how this is obviously back in the day he got her phone number uh sorry she got his phone number and was calling him and basically unloaded all of her problems on him every time she called it was like an hour worth of a phone call every time she called and he just was fed up with it so there's one day she called and he says he he gave uh, he told what he called a, a Christian lie okay so what on earth is a Christian lie well he he, the phone went and his mum called up to him this person uh, she's on the phone for you and he immediately jumped into an empty bath mm-hmm. and says tell her I'm in the bath <laughs> <laughs> which was true yes <laughs> but not exactly the the picture he was painting so anyway he um, God really pulled him up on that and says mm-hmm. "What what's the issue Talk to, start talking about what the issue was and he says, she's wasting my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, your time. <laughs> she's wasting your time, recognising that time is one area of life that we can give, relinquish mm-hmm. our rights in. Uh, so when he immediately knew what God was, was talking about and repented and, and say, okay, God, next time she calls, I'll give her as, as much of your time <laughs> mm-hmm. as I can. Uh, recognizing that this person was also made in God's image and valuable to to the Father, and so the next time she sure enough she called, and she said, "Winky, I've called to apologize. I've been going through a really rough patch, and anyway, the long and the short of it was God's dealt with me, and I really want to thank you." Hmm. And that was the last phone call he had from her. Hmm. Uh, God made a breakthrough whenever he relinquished his rights. Yeah. There was something in that process. I just think it's a good story because one, it's funny, but two, there's a reality for us of God can move in supernatural ways when we relinquish our rights. Mm. If we try to hold on to our rights or fight for what we believe in our is our rights, often it's only what we can do that that, that mm. will end up happening, yeah. which is very very limited. But when we choose to continue to to give up our rights to yeah. God, it's amazing Absolutely. what He can do through us. Good. Well, I hope that's an encouragement for you. Um, if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to, to send them in on social media. You can find us on most platforms as Living Beyond UK uh, or send a, a, a message through to us some other way. And yeah, we'll catch you in the next episode. See you next time.